okay, hiccup, go right now, hiccup, go, do it, hiccup, now, go, come on, <laughs> do it now, prove it. You and your friends are sitting around enjoying a movie. Oh. It's in the theater. The Whoa. best place to enjoy the movies. When all of a sudden the seats start to rumble and shake. Oh, it's one of those 4D theaters? Yeah, know, right? They start to lift out of their sockets oh, and start sick. to walk around. One of the seats is actually starting to eat one of the people. Well, these are good mushrooms, guys. What the hell is going on? It must be time for another episode of High Mystery. That's right. It's the podcast where we smoke weed and talk about those mysteries in our universe. Yeah. I'm Colin. I'm Tristan. I'm Robert. Today shall be no different. We'll be talking about a mystery and we will be smoking lots of weed. People come here for consistency. That's right. <laughs> Today I'm smoking something I really enjoy. It is a baby Jeter. Uh, just like on dinosaurs, my favorite member of the Jeter family is the baby. Uh, not uh, the mama. <laughs> today I've got their banana kush variety. It is the purple top, which I really like. All their um, different flavors correlate to a color. And then the color is on the, uh, the tip. Yeah. yeah, the crutch, if you will. And so no matter what, you could figure out which baby Jeter type you're smoking. But this one has a, let's see, THC of 35% and yeah, no CBD at all. So it all fucks with that. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I got some strawberry banana and that has 19.63% THC, and that's by Stay Elevated. And then Colin was nice enough to uh, loan me his giant bong-a-bong mm -hmm. uh, that I'm going to be smoking up. I'm very excited. He did it professional status, put ice in the neck, um, gave me like a little glass stopper so I won't be like pulling through any junk into the water, keeping it nice and fresh, extra long. Uh, so thank you, Colin. You're very welcome. Uh, I'll say uh, you should do your bong experience upright. You should change the water fresh every time you use it, or at least every day. Yes. Uh, if it's got capabilities of ice in there, why not throw some ice in there? It's super smooth, wonderful hit, in my opinion. I agree. Uh, and if you got a big hole in your uh, in your uh, slide, why wouldn't you plug it up with a little jack so you don't just pull all your weed through? Sure. Yeah. Uh, two questions. Yeah, two answers. Do you have a name for it? <laughs> no. No. Oh. Second, uh, how did you get that? I got this bong on 420 in a raffle. Nice. A couple years back, I won the raffle, and they said, you won this sweet bong from Dabs. And I could choose between this giant bong for flour or an actual little dab rig. Oh, okay. And I ultimately chose that because I had just gotten a new dab rig anyway. Sure. I feel yeah. like it's got a gold D on it. It's from, it's like a winner. It's a lucky bong. The, so the big D? 
The, the, the lucky, golden D? <laughs> the lucky golden D. It makes me, it makes me think of a gold member then. Oh, uh, yeah, there you Maybe go. Maybe that's why it's just gold member. Yeah, yeah. it is. All right, sure, gold member. Nice. Named. That's how you name a piece, people. <laughs> you go from A to C. <laughs> so Tristan's going to be sucking on gold member today. <laughs> what, Rob, what do you got going on? Uh, I have got this blunt. It is packed with... Fatso, oh, it's an indica from Ames Horticulture. From Ames, always on point is what the Ames stands for. That's cool. That's the second company now that I've seen have Fatso, which is like that's not it's not like a Blue Dream brand. It's still kind of like an off strain Fatso. Sure. And so to see two companies having it is kind of interesting. Fatso showing up, you know. Yeah. Fatso's getting more popular. It's taking over America. That's right. <laughs> uh, it is an indica, and it has a. Oh no! It's got a oh, total. God. Total cannabinoids, I don't have the THC. Oh, wait, no, no, THC is 30.53%. Total cannabinoids is 35.96%. Interesting. Interesting indeed, Tristan. It's packed in a grape ape high hemp wrap. Boom. So be looking Boom. forward to smoking that. There you go. And is the uh, fatso strain from, what is it? Revol... Revol... Ames? No, the uh, the other one. That you oh, Evolution get. Or, or no, Electric something. Electric Company? No, I know. Oh, damn it. Uh, electric, electric Union. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, theirs is a hybrid though, right? Their Fatso? Or is I'm that... not totally sure. I can't remember. I, I, I wouldn't buy an Indica, so it must have been a hybrid or a Sativa at least. Yeah. But we know, you know, if you know anything about weed, some of the names get crossed and put in the wrong place. And stuff. 100%. Yeah. When you got a really good name like the Incredible Hulk, everybody's going to take it. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I've, you know, people just name them stuff for fun. Sure. <laughs> Uh, we're going to touch our tips. Oh, that was cool. If you've, got, <laughs> if you've got something to smoke on at home, we encourage you to do so. Uh, if not, and you need to just get high on life, we totally understand. But we are sparking, and we encourage you to join us as well. Yeah, anything that makes you laugh or giggle, gets your uh, endorphins going, gets that serotonin flowing. Hey, maybe it's just this podcast. Yeah. Today is another episode of T-Bird Turtles, Totally Tubular TV Theories, plus movies. <gasps> also movies? Yeah. It's almost never happened. Well, that's why you got the Vroom Vrooms in there, right? Yeah, exactly. There you go. Well, I wanted to let everybody know they're going to get a little extra Yeah, today. it's not just one Vroom. You get two. Mm -hmm. It's a double Vroom. That's, yeah. Some people give you one Vroom. I say they're not giving enough. Yeah, it's a supersized Vroom. A double Vroom is what the people want. Such a giver, Colin. <laughs> Love you for that. That's right. I always make sure. They only paid for one Vroom. I always take care of the people who need that second Vroom. Okay, first up on the list. Is a, you know, it's a fun one. Actually, you know what? I just realized I'm going to change up the order of this. Whoa, on the fly order I like, change. I like the first one so much. I'm going to save it till the end. And I'm going to flip the script, literally, Whoa. and switch this around. Okay. When they said improv <laughs> comedy podcast, they weren't joking. <laughs> That's right. This is totally unscripted. <laughs> Nobody knew I was going to do this today. Our first movie that we're talking about on the list is Jordan Peele's Us. Ooh. If you haven't seen it yet, I apologize. I'm going to spoil it for you, but you've been warned. 
Uh, Rob could put like a spoiler alert thing on the episode. No, right? I can't. No. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. They'll see it in the description. They choose to listen. That's on them. Uh, the idea, you know, this is a, a horror movie with Jordan. Jordan Peele is the director. He's created a world for us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it involves everybody underground having a tether to their mirror person on the surface. Sure. That's the idea of the world and us. So this theory is that there is another switcheroo in the movie Us. So we know in the end that Adelaide isn't what she seems. She is actually a tethered, which is what we refer to as the people who are underground. For sure. The mirror people. The theory is that her son Jason is also a tethered from the start of the film. Does he go into the room with her? I can't, I mean, it's been a minute since I watched yeah. the movie. Same for me. And don't get too bogged down in the details. Focus for sure. Focus on just like the overall idea. For sure. There's some evidence to support that he's tethered from the beginning, that he is a tethered from the beginning. And here's what it is. He somehow forgets the magic trick that he's supposed to know in the movie. Uh, the theory is that he didn't forget, but learned it successfully and burnt fat half of his face off in the process. His tether only has a slight memory of this. Uh, you might have to watch the movie again to remember what I'm talking about specifically. Yeah, because what I, what I remember from it is as a little girl, she goes to this underground place in this amusement park, looks into a mirror. Like the mirror funhouse place. Yeah, there. exactly. And then the, the I guess what we are to find out at the end of it is that at that moment, they swapped bodies, essentially. And right. from that point forward, she's living in right. the real world, even though she's a mirror person, while her real body is now in the mirror world. You're correct. This is What you're referring to is Adelaide's story. Sure. This is concerning Jason, Well, this and the little boy. Once she grows up and has a child, wouldn't that child be a mirror person? Because... Because, because she, she is, was a mirror person all along? Or it's at least half. You know, essentially. Oh, yeah, because she's sleeping with uh, somebody who's not, not a mirror a person. Oh, man, this Although, makes it way complicated. maybe, maybe she's <laughs> only attracted to mirror people that escaped, you know? Maybe she just happens to they know. they got a special glint in the yeah, eye. Yeah, right? So like, you're, oh, you're a mirror person. Your theory then would be that the husband is also tethered all along? Maybe. That wouldn't work in terms of, like, because why would she hide the whole movie? And why would she work against her own I mean, lovely I, tethered life? I'll be honest. That's all that I remember of us <laughs> is that she looks into the mirror and swaps bodies. Okay. The end. Yeah. Well, anyway. <laughs> this is concerning Jason, the son. Sure. Uh, another thing that he does that is strange is he builds tunnels at the beach as opposed to sandcastles. I mean, I, I built a tunnel once or twice. In the yeah, same. but you weren't in a movie about people living no, underground. No, so. no, it's not. <laughs> Uh, at the end of the film, he and his tethered mother exchange a knowing smile. He then puts on a mask to symbolize the masks they will now wear permanently. Okay. That's the idea behind the theory, is that Jason's also tethered. Whether he got swapped as a very young boy or, you know, maybe that was her way of putting her new son in the place of her old son or whatever. It's kind of complicated because when does the tethered being start to exist versus your own. Yeah. I mean, even the, the movie itself was a little like was a little confusing in the sense of like, okay, so these people who are down there, they like are stuck kind of like mimicking you, but like, in a, you know, but then like, 
but you they, have, they, so they have you have to control. go to like the the middle point to then switch so that way like that's still there <laughs> oh man my brain i need to hit this bomb <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I, I do remember thinking, wow, what a great movie. I didn't understand a lot of it, and I should watch it again, but I didn't. And so that's where I'm at with that. It's definitely a thinker, but, uh, you know, I think they lay it out pretty clearly. Yeah, I feel that I got the gist of it. I think if we went back and watched it, we'd just be like, oh, okay, that could be. Because I don't think it's as complicated as remembering it feels. Yeah, sure. I feel like I remember it being pretty clear at the end of the movie. Cool. I mean, I definitely yeah. understood the whole point of it. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. I liked it. I like everything Jordan Peele's been doing in the horror genre. Yeah. Some nice underlying commentary. Yeah, and I hope you love movies and TV as much as I do, because there's only more coming. Nice. Next up, uh, Fury Road Mad Max is not Mad Max. Right. Well, Well, the idea is that it's sort of a continuation and he is playing Mad Max. I always thought it was like kind of a different universe or whatever, just because yeah. like they never reference any of his past shenanigans unless it's supposed to be like before all those shenanigans. Well, then... let's get into it. Cause I mean, some people would consider it a reboot. It still is the Mad Max that we know and love, just sort of another iteration. Just yeah. not worrying about the stuff that came before too much. I think that was the supposed idea more okay. so. I mean, it would have to have taken place if this was a continuation a, you know, or, or just a yeah, place in the saga. It would have had to have taken place after the first one because the first one still had a world, you know, like a civilization. It mm -hmm. still had, you know, water. <laughs> Shops were open, that kind of was shit. Is that Thunderdome or is that two? No, the Thunderdome was three. Three, yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Tina Turner. Yeah, Tina Turner. <laughs> the first one is just, um, I, I, is it just Mad Max or is it, uh, I can't remember. I'm sorry. It's sorry, okay. everybody. But yeah. All you need to remember anyway for this is the recent Mad Max and Mad Max 2. Okay. So the recent yeah. Mad Max is the one where we have the giant, like, bubbly, weird white guy who's in control of the last bit of water that's left. Yeah, they're all huffing aluminum <coughs> or yeah. whatever, chrome, chromium. Although yeah. I will say that it does have the guy from the original Mad Max, the enemy. He comes back as the enemy in this Fury Road. Are you sure? I mean, I was a hundred percent until you said, "Are you sure?" And now I'm like, "Well, it's been a long time, but I'm pretty sure the guy with the weird mask on his face—that's all connected to his face Tunes and stuff." Yeah, yeah, he was the original bad guy in the first Mad Max. Ooh, I don't know about that. Uh, anyway, the theory on this before we get sure. spiral out into something totally <laughs> different is that in Mad Max Two, which is the one with the a helicopter and it's a lot of driving on open desert. That's the one where the guy's wearing the mask and he says, just walk away, just walk away. Yeah. And they make fun of it in South Park and I love it. There's also a feral child that yeah. runs around doing all kinds of crazy stuff. True. Is this, does this one have a dog in it? Which, was there a dog in one of these? What? <laughs> I am remembering something wrong, I think. I Was there a dog in any of these? I thought he had like a the, dog In the first in one, one, I think he had, because he had a wife and uh, I think a baby and stuff in the first one. Like it's like a lot of fighting with a road gang. Road okay. Warrior, that's road the first Mad Max. Road Warrior. Yes. Yeah, thank you. 
I mean, actually, good job. I don't know if that's number one or number it two. It might be actually. number two. It I'm pretty sure it's number two. Because <laughs> oh, in number yeah. two, he's always in the car driving around. Let's stop trying to remember things. Right, right. And let's just talk about the feral child, which is why we're here. At the end of the movie, Rakotansky, which is Max's last name, Max Rakotansky gives the kid, the feral child, a music box. Our Fury Road version of the character has the music box in his possession. He also communicates with few words and mostly by grunts. At the end of the film, he says, Max, my name is Max. That's my name. Hmm. And it's super weird. It seems like it's the first time he's ever said it. So is he the feral child? That's the, that's the theory. I see. Is that he's not actually Max Rokotansky, but he's the feral child just taking on his vision, if you will. Sorry. Well, if it... Gonna crinkle my paper. <laughs> <laughs> it's a noisy day in the studio. There's a lot going on. <laughs> if this guy was, in fact, the bad guy in the original one, then it would have taken place an X number of years later. And so I feel like he could be the Max from the little boy child Max. It could be one and the same. Wait, what are you saying? You're what saying that the little boy... The feral child. The feral child grows yeah. up to be Fury Road Max, yes. right? Yes, yeah. and only says that he's Max just because he remembers that Max. Sure. Yeah. But I'm That's saying... That's the theory. The, the idea that if the same bad guy is playing in both movies, like I think he is, <laughs> uh, then it would have been the correct number of years passing by for that little boy to have grown up to be, uh, you know... R-Max. R-Max, yeah. yeah. So you guys solved it. Good job. I mean, for me personally, I feel like uh, the biggest thing that goes against it is that little boy had really blonde hair, if I remember correctly. I mean, when I was a child, I had very blonde hair. Oh, and yeah? I'm I, so sorry. I had, <laughs> well, you know, maybe it was, uh, you know, I was traumatized at some point. And I <laughs> and it just went black. Black, but, um, or brown, or whatever color you want to call this. But I, yeah, as a child, up until, I don't know, definitely... At least, like, first, second grade, I had very blonde, very blonde hair. Yeah. So. I, think, I think that happened with my dad, too, actually. So I guess that works. It checks out. Yeah. Science says <laughs> it. The next one is the idea that Nosferatu was legitimate. Oh. Like, the, the movie wasn't a movie. They literally had Nosferatu. Yes. Okay. The, the guy playing... The idea is that the 1922 film starred not a man in costume, mm. but a legitimate vampire. The story goes that he struck a deal with the director so that the vampire would star in his film and in exchange would be able to drain the cast and crew after the film was concluded. I only have one mm. thing that I'm like, oh, just one? Well, the main issue being that vampires don't have reflections. So how do you capture a vampire on film if it's all like cameras and lighting and- Once it goes through a lens, it's essentially a reflected image. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I mean, is it the same as a mirror though? Because a vampire doesn't show up in a mirror. Why a mirror though? 
I'm not totally like that's sure. that's yeah that's yeah. a difficult a thing. A mirror I guess. image is is the opposite image, so maybe you can depict their true image, but not their mm. opposite image. It's a loophole, maybe. It's well, a definitely loophole. when things get filmed, <laughs> their images are flipped, and then they have to, you know. Or maybe the guy playing Nosferatu is like, you see, you can film me, and you wouldn't be able to film a vampire, so that's why I'm not a real vampire. And he's lying to everybody, making everybody think oh, that you can't capture your vampire. You're saying it's the perfect cover. He's, yeah, he's, he's, he's actually, the one per perpetrating oh. that myth, that stereotype, <laughs> right. if you will. Just to prove he's not a vampire. Yeah, exactly. He's <laughs> like, see, mirror, you right. stupid idiot, dumb, stupid person. He's been doing some David Copperfield shit in his house. <laughs> like, he stands next to somebody and his like, twin. one side is a true mirror yes. and the other side's like a false mirror. And he's like, look, you can't even see me. It's the prestige. I told you it was a vampire thing. All <laughs> vampires do it. Trust me. <laughs> That's all there is for that one. I don't know that there's a whole lot of legs for it to stand on or anything, but mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Like, this is great. He brings his own effects. We don't have to do anything for this mirror guy. <laughs> yeah, it's right. perfect. Seriously, makeup, you can head home. We got it covered on this one. <laughs> They're like, but I wanted to do creature stuff. Sorry. He's just so method. I watched him <laughs> eating a mouse the other day. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I've never had to have live crafty or uh, supply mice from crafty. I said that wrong, but you understand. Yeah. <laughs> Good job, Colin. Way to tell the joke. Nailed it. You got, it. You got there. Yeah. <laughs> All the words came out. You, you arrange them. <laughs> Uh, the next one is, did the movie Fargo spark a real-life death? 28-year-old oh. mm -hmm. Takako Konishi was found deceased in the snow around Fargo, Minnesota on December 14th, 2001. By the way, quickly, I often think about that. We're like, movies sometimes hit so many details, it's like, whoa, like, you, you could probably carry off that art heist or whatever. Like, you could probably, like, I don't know. We'll just do what they did in the movies. Yeah. <laughs> it seemed to go well for them in that. Yeah, that's how the Ocean's Eleven team robbed the Bellagio. <laughs> I can't remember what movie it was, but I feel like somebody did so well in their, like, fake heist mm -hmm. that they were investigated by the FBI because they were like, how the fuck do they know this? intimate stuff about right. whatever place it was. Yeah. I can't remember which story it was, but I have heard that before. So who knows? <laughs> Get it so right, you're in trouble. <laughs> uh, apparently, Takako had spoken with police a few days prior. They could only understand the word Fargo several times. She was oh. speaking Japanese. Okay. Uh, the rumor was that she mistook the satirical opening text of the film to be truth, which if you've seen Fargo at the beginning of the movie, the first thing that they say is that everything is based on a real story, the depictions in this movie are accurate to the setting or whatever it is. Yeah. And uh, so the idea is that she took it to be true and died of exposure while looking for the abandoned money in the snow. Oh. Yeah, in the movie Fargo, there is a really pivotal moment where they stash a ton of cash off the side of the road and end up getting killed. So if it was a true story, that theoretical money would be stashed in the snow somewhere. So this is based on the television show Fargo, not the movie, right? No, it's based on the movie. The movie also has stashing of cash? The movie definitely has stashing okay. of cash, yeah. All right. Yeah, it's this big moment right before everybody ends up meeting their ultimate demise. If you haven't seen it, spoiler alert. Uh, 
there's a lot of bad things that happen at the end of the movie Fargo. Uh, and yeah, so that's... Oh, yeah, because this is 2001. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the idea. So a lot of people theoretically thought. went out and looked for it because they thought the money was really there somewhere. Wow, that's... Uh... Little did they know, the Coen brothers found out that legally you can put anything you want in the right. title of the movie. Yeah. And so that's just... Artistic just, license, man. Absolutely, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that is crazy to think that that somebody was looking for treasure that definitely was not there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it's about as crazy as, like, people that, like, one person dying from uh, Pokemon Go. Oh, yeah, for you know, sure. Or, like, maybe several people. I don't know how many people walked you're, like, not, and shit. Yeah, you're not looking up or yeah. you're going too far to the edge on something or, yeah, for yeah. sure. Just, just stupid Come reasons. Come across some really yeah. dangerous Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> I tangled with a Charizard or two in my day. <laughs> uh, a documentary, Kumiko the Treasure Hunter, explores the truth of what happened to uh, Konishi. So if you want to check that out for more information on what really happened to her, what the actual explanation might be. So this was her friend, her roommate, her... Mother? Or just a reporter. Just some, some reporter that said two that... Two documentary filmmakers decided... It was actually reported on a, a ton of different news stations. They caught, like, wildfire, the story of this woman who died because of the movie. And, and I, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Who's claiming that she was looking for Fargo treasure? A lot of people did. Just... Oh, so just she was telling people, like, I'm going to... I'm pretty sure they just pieced it together based on the fact that she was there. She died of exposure in the snow, and she had come from Japan. But the actual story on why she's there is sadder than the theory following Fargo. But that's for another... Oh, really? You were not going to hear why she was really there? (laughs) Do you want me to reveal? I mean, if you're doing a whole mystery on that, I wouldn't get it. We'll wait, yeah. We'll wait. But I mean, if it's like, you know. A five-sentence thing about what... Yeah, if you you got just a paragraph, you know. Yeah, no, I couldn't just... I wouldn't be doing it justice. That's why I just referenced the documentary. Next time Tristan opens his hole. Yeah, sure. (laughs) That would be a good time for it. Uh, The next one on the list, I was excited to get some current movies. I felt like I was a hip kid. Yeah. A couple of the later movies. Like uh, Gen Z. <laughs> the Shape of Water features not one, but two fish monsters. Oh, what? Yeah. So if you're familiar with the movie, we have our main character. Her name's Elisa. She ends up seeing this creature in the tank at where she works. It's like a fish-man hybrid. And she ends up taking it home, falling in love with it, and, you know, they seem to make it happily ever after in their own sort. It's the story as old as time. Yeah. <laughs> Woman has sex with fish man. <laughs> woman meets fish man, fish, meets, fish man meets woman, etc. Et I mean, I feel like it's a step up from the swamp creature, you know? This, oh, definitely. Yeah. The cre- or the creature from the back lagoon. Yeah. 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 <laughs> this, this monster had, like, feelings and was able to communicate and all that. The, the swamp creatures that we see, they're just growling, attacking monsters. I don't know if they ever... Do we ever get the dialogue of a swamp thing? In the uh, shape of water, you mean? No, no, no like, we do get it in the shape of water. They, are, they, don't, they don't speak in the shape of water. Oh, they didn't water, even, like, uh, do sign language or anything? They spoke mm-hmm. with their eyes oh, and their geez. heart. Maybe some sign language. I can't remember, but I'm pretty sure there's not a whole lot of speech. He's 
he, the, the fish monster or the creature is, uh, what's the word? Um, I lost my train of thought. That's the baby Jeter talking. <laughs> anyway, let me get into the theory sure, sure, here. Uh, the theory states that Elisa is also at least part fish. Uh, that's why she all? feels like a connection. Yeah, I mean, Chuck. Yeah. Tra- <laughs> Science, Rob. <laughs> I mean, we could talk about the fact that evolutionary things in our yeah. makeup point to the fact that we were descended from apes that were actually like water apes. I mean, primordial ooze. Yeah, exactly. And from and the, we're from all the, from that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, but uh, specifically our ancestor chain goes back to something that would have like been a I hominid. See that lived over water because there's certain things that we do that only make sense if we lived over water. Like as soon as we drop into water, even if we're an infant, we instinctively know how to hold our breath underwater. Sure. And there's a bunch of other stuff like our, our uh, hands softening in order to help us grip underwater, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. I feel like whales and dolphins are probably like close uh, or another like spin off of that, like back evolution or whatever because oh. they if they you were look the water at skeletal system, system yeah if you look at the skeletal system they have like fingers and that's exactly what i was going to say they also have like vestigial feet like they yeah. don't make sense there's yeah. like two little bones back there that show that they came from the land into the sea as opposed to being there all along maybe Which we did crazy. a switcheroo like the water apes were like tag you're in the water now <laughs> and the land dolphins were like Arr! And in five years, they're like, we've come back to claim the land. Sorry, excuse you lose. (laughs) But anyway, regarding this fish woman, uh, Elisa, the reason people think that she could be is, for one, she doesn't speak. Uh, She obviously has a water fetish, even masturbating underwater daily (laughs) in the movie. Like, it's always underwater. Not that people don't do that anyway, but uh, she also... (laughs) has this mysterious background story. Uh, when she floods the bathroom all the way up to the ceiling, she's just like chilling in there. Mm-hmm. She's not worried at all. There's no fear of drowning for her in that moment. Uh, at the end, when he heals her scars on her neck, she grows gills. And so the idea would be that rather than like giving her gills, he, just, he was just restoring mm-hmm. the long lost part of her anatomy. Makes sense. Alisa was found as an orphan child by a river with those scars on her neck. Okay. So that's like the mysterious background story. And like you said, as soon as I gave you the theory, it explains why she was so ready to get busy with this fish Mm -hmm. monster. Because a lot of the critics of the movie said their problem with it was like, she's just all of a sudden into this fish creature. Like, it does sort of happen fast. I mean, Um, they were communicating like... You know, telepathically, or I just mean, vibes. You know, they were changing. <laughs> there was a lot of like, I feel like hand touching on the glass. There was yeah. a lot of like connecting through like just like compassion and. You're and, definitely right. Love transcends things sometimes, but it's still at this point in the movie, it's a woman with an animal, as right. far as we know. He but doesn't a display. sexy animal. Uh, yes, I, mean, I agree. He has abs, he has a Jesus Christ. <laughs> right? I mean, jeez, he's she's got only the, human. He's got the deep V. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I can't argue there. Uh, yeah, <laughs> next down. Deep <laughs> but yeah, critics of the film, that was one problem that they had. They didn't understand, and they there's obviously people who call it bestiality. But, I know, I mean, but in this theory, 
it makes more sense and it sort of resolves all of that stuff because it, it he is very humanoid clicks. as yes. far as like bestiality goes. Definitely. It's not, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and there's, I'm not saying I said that. I thought right. it was a beautiful love story. And I feel like there's at least an equal intelligence level there where it's like, you know, they're able to like feasibly if they if if their love wasn't so wrong, they could have like a almost nuclear, you know, type of life, a yeah. nuclear family type of life. Two and a half kids. Yeah, exactly. Plastic on right, the he like, goes off to work, you know. <laughs> Yes, yeah, exactly. It wasn't like she was dropping like fish pellets at the top of the water, and as he was like coming yes, up, like, exactly. God, and she was like, oh, yeah. she's just having sex. Yeah, all the monsters just following her finger around the tank. Which, <laughs> this does make me think of a real life story. <laughs> this does make me think of a real life story where a woman actually lived with a male dolphin for a long period of time. Mm. We all know male dolphins are, I mean, dolphins in general, sorry, I didn't mean to generalize okay. that. <laughs> I just heard male dolphins and then that came. Dolphins are very smart. They yes. are the, the humans say, of the sea. I thought you were going to say they're very horny. That's true. <laughs> science has proven their their wantingness to get down. Yes, they're one of the few other animals in the animal kingdom who experience sexual pleasure. Uh, and during her research, she actually like flooded her house or had some kind of setup where she, she could like, spend all day and with the dolphin. And eventually, like the male dolphin would show himself so much to her and like be asking for yeah. like sex so much from her that she eventually was, she had to she had no other she would, choice she would start satisfying his cravings if you will oh, with wow. her hand and yeah it was very like controversial and they pulled the research it's just a handy it's a simple <laughs> handy I mean every 15 minutes this dolphin is texting me you up yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't believe how many dolphin dick pics I've gotten <laughs> it's 3.30 in the afternoon yes I'm up I'm up and I'm swimming in dolphin dick pics thank you <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that that legitimately happened, and it's uh, cool. it was for science. Yeah, you, know? you could look up that story. It's pretty crazy. I think there might be a documentary on that. If not, there should be. <laughs> Woman dolphin love. I feel like Drunk History did an episode on it. Oh really? Yeah. I mean, if they didn't, that should be. I feel like a they story did because it is definitely a real thing that happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I no mean. mystery there. Jerking off dolphins. It happened. Okay, I really liked <laughs> I really liked this one, and that's why I saved it for the end. So I hope you do too. Nice. Uh, the idea is that the government is behind sure. the silence of the lambs. Oh, the the whole Buffalo Bill storyline, or the Hannibal Lecter storyline, or both? Is it like they used a killer to catch a killer? I love all these questions. <laughs> they're they're good. I'm gonna rapid fire you. I'm gonna attempt to answer all of them. <laughs> Basically, it's not necessarily that they created Buffalo Bill or um, Hannibal. Hannibal. It's that once they had them, they used them. So okay. they've set the stage to their benefit. So these serial killers, they're using to their benefit is the idea. And we'll get into that more. I hope I've answered I, it. I see what you're saying. So they do have serial killers up in lockup that are like solving crimes and like getting perks for it, you know, is what you're saying? Sort of. 
They're, okay. they're getting a double benefit out of it. And the idea is that the true nature of Clarice Darling's investigation is not to find Buffalo Bill, but to be a cog in a government mind control scheme designed to turn serial killers and serial killers investigators who are exposed to them into assassins. Okay. <laughs> Do I need to back that up and say it again or explain so it? So they're, they're taking these people who are good at killing people under yes. the radar and they're being like, hey, now you're going to do that for us, for the you people that we want. You're masterminds at killing people, so you, we want to hire the best of the best to do this job. Basically, they're getting a twofer. They're getting control of serial killers, which they then use to sort of do their bidding. At the same time, they're training agents into specialized secret sleeper cell assassins. So I can see where you're going with this. You're saying that they've got Hannibal. He's in prison. They're going to take Clarice. They're going to have her be the talk to, because apparently she's the only one that can communicate with this guy. Right. And him communicating to her is going to give her the breadcrumbs to find this other serial killer that they want dead. She's going to find him and kill him. Basically what happens in the movie. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, so they, 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 I, um, they set this whole plan up in motion from the get-go. They knew that she was going to find Buffalo Bill by talking to Hannibal and that she was going to kill him. Exactly. They already knew where Buffalo Bill was, but to do it without getting their hands dirty or whatever, they kind of like do it. It's less so to, to not keep or to keep their hands clean and more so so that Clarice can be the one to do it. Yeah. Right. Because they need Clarice to go through this, which essentially we'll talk about it more, training exercise with Buffalo Bill in order to become the agent that they need Clarice to be in order to, you know, be their agent of destruction. So this is like her trial run to like really cement in the, the training and the, the whatever else. That's the idea. And Hannibal Lecter, though he may be a serial killer, is very much like their their puppet that they're glad to use to help in that as well. So every serial killer here has a purpose. And there's a theory that they also let Hannibal Lecter out intentionally. That's all playing into it. How uh, much does Hannibal know, like, of the overall scheme and arc of it all? I think all that he knows is that he's, well, he's so brilliant, he probably knows more than we even think. But... I mean, he's, the whole thing for him in this movie was that he enjoys fucking with Clarice. You know, she, yeah. he's, he doesn't get anyone to speak to, and finally he's got, like, this little puppet he can play with. Well, and it's a good charade as well. It's not, you know, he is in prison. He is in lockup. Exactly. But I think he probably notices, it's kind of interesting, like, how easy it is for him to get out. And there's also other things. Well, let me turn to what I've written down. <laughs> okay, so the first thing that ties into this idea, they point to the U.S.'s MKUltra program. They say that the moth slash the butterfly symbolism has a lot to do with mind control. Uh, the monarch mind control, referring to the monarch butterfly, is a very specific form that uses a trigger to unlock a separate personality 
much like we call a sleeper cell. Mm -hmm. So like in Winter Soldier, that would be Bucky, where it's like they say a list of mm -hmm. words and all of a sudden they can control him perfectly. Mm -hmm. Manchurian Candidate. Yeah. yeah, there's a bunch of different movies that follow this same idea. And so in order to get that out of a person, what you do is you cause them to suffer in the idea in the MK Ultra program anyway. Well, we know that trauma, a lot of people who experience trauma at a young age also suffer from like DID because of that. You try, you have to like compartmentalize the things happening to like feel like you can survive or go on or whatever. Maybe sure. a new persona is invented to help you navigate such trauma. And that's exactly the idea behind this specific version of mind control is that uh, they're using the trauma that that's being inflicted on these people in order to create that control. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, there are strange inconsistencies with Lecter's prison cell. Uh, there's times where you can see that he's clearly able to access the staircase outside of it. Like there's no nothing blocking him from getting out and walking around, which presumably would make you think that he can just have free roam of the place once she's not there. Yeah. Uh, he has a better TV than the guards. We see the guards are watching the prisoners on like a little black and white TV, and Lecter has like a nice color larger than the guards TV, mm. which makes it just, it's just weird. Uh, there are constantly training exercises throughout the film shown in the motif just over and over again. Whenever Clarice is going through something, it often cuts back or cuts to the side to training. Mm. Um, <clears throat> Lecter seems to have knowledge he couldn't know. At one point in the movie, she comes back with a cut on her leg that he knows about. The only way he could have known that is if he somehow had a chain of connection it's like a shark, you just smelt it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's not too far from possibility. <laughs> the FBI raids that we do see even seem fake and dramatized. So, like, when we see them actually go to the house where they're supposedly actually getting Buffalo Bill, they show up with the oldest hack in the book, which is a bunch of, like, long-stem flower boxes, mm -hmm. which is mm -hmm. the classic, you know... Well, the FBI's here, <laughs> so, which just seems weird. Like, that's not how they would do it. Uh, Clarice's search of Bill's house directly mirrors her training exercises. Yeah. She even, like, in mm. consistently looks in the corner where she didn't look in the corner and got in trouble earlier in the mm -hmm. movie. There's a lot of things like that. Very, where, like, planned and staged, almost, like, pretty much verbatim, like, the house layout, yeah? Yeah, exactly. Uh, the whole thing was essentially a setup to force Clarice to become a killer while exposing her to trauma, thus creating another super soldier sleeper agent in Agent Starling. Yeah, I see it. Yeah. Anyway, that's the one I really liked and decided to keep till the end. <laughs> <laughs> so would you say that that... That Hannibal Lecter escaping and talking to her on the phone, you know, the fly buzzing around and shit. Yeah. Uh, that was like the added trauma to, like the last trauma to her. Because she Perhaps. goes like kind of crazy after that. Like, Mr. Lecter, Mr. Lecter. I don't know what he's saying. No, that was good. Yeah, that, that was, was actually pretty solid. Mr. Lecter. Mr. Lecter. <laughs> <laughs> She's got uh, a strange accent. Yeah. In that one. But uh, maybe that's, 
she kind of goes, although she never said Mr. Lecter because it's definitely Dr. Lecter, right? Dr. Lecter, yeah, whatever. The, yeah, I knew I was, I knew that was not Dr. the quote, Lecter. Dr. Lecter, but uh, yeah, we don't see her after that. She could go into some type of fugue state. And now she's mm. under the control of the FBI. Maybe whatever he said was the, the end. Oh, that was the other. Yeah, was the triggering phrase. That, she, that he's going to have a, a bite to later on tonight or something yeah. like that. They do, uh, in this theory, they point out that the director of the prison is very like strict about not taking any paper clips, any staples, all this stuff when you meet Hannibal Lecter. And yet he drops a pin in Hannibal Lecter's cell. I feel like at one point Hannibal Lecter's painting in his cell. Yeah. Yeah, he's got like paintbrushes and shit. That's true, yeah. I don't totally remember his backstory because I know they did the uh, the prequel or whatever, I've Red Dragon or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so isn't he just like super wealthy or something as well? Yeah, like, at first he's a well-respected doctor. And the thing that gives him away is he's been looking up sweetbreads recipes. Hmm. Which are made, you know, sweetbreads are actually like organ meat. Yeah. Or thalamuses or whatever. Yeah, I think it's something like lymph nodes or yeah. whatever. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then he has this Edward Norton finds him out. There's a big falling out. They always have a secondary serial killer in those movies, though. There's always like a second mm-hmm. something crazy going on. Yeah. Just to show you where you have one serial killer just. Rock yeah. throw away. There's another one. Yep. <laughs> oh god. I mean, that's it. It goes to to the point of Silence of the Lambs that he knows all the moves that Buffalo Bill's gonna know because he just knows serial killers so well. So he has to have known serial killers in a previous, you know, ten years ago or whatever. He has to know them pretty well outside of just his own work. Yeah, exactly. Like he He's has to know to how like, they operate yeah. and stuff. He's going to the serial killer convention. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Having meetings. Welcome to another edition of KillerCon. We're so glad you're here. Everybody <laughs> in got Hollywood, the Florida. Yeah, in Hollywood, Florida. <laughs> it's a lawless swamp, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, that's all I got. Those are my TV film theories. What's going on on the Patreon today? Uh, uh, oh, wait, what? I was just going to say before we shut off that... Uh, the guy who played the bad guy in Mad Max was in all of the Mad Maxes. Oh, that's cool. The so, character or the actor? The the character Im, Im, Immortan Joe. Immortan Joe. Immortan Joe. He was in. He was the bad guy in. In all, all four. four. Wow. I, I, yeah, that? he was in Mad Max Fury Road, Mad Max, Mad Max Two, World Warrior. Maybe not Thunderdome. Oh. But yeah. Well, then it's not all of them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I count. Done count. I, asterisk. Asterisk. I don't, I don't know. He goes to the Thunderdome. That's the thing. Well, Master Blaster Master is Blaster. in both Thunderdome and the new one. So it does, in some way... Tie it. Yeah, they all seem connected. Uh, I will be doing the Patreon. Oh, will you? So you people can jump onto the Patreon and listen to that if you will please. Uh, You're not going to tell them about it? It's too secretive? I'll just say this. We're going into some good uh, nostalgia. Uh Some member berries will be served. Uh He's opening Uh, up his hole. No. No, 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 no. The hole is shut for today. Um, But it'll be some fun rememberings of... When we were young. Okay. When you were young.
<laughs> so it's all 90s stuff because that's when all three of us were young. We think it was a 90s thing, oh. but truth be told, it was a thing before that. So when you say we, do you mean your split personalities? We as in <laughs> the royal us who were born in the 90s. Oh, and, I see. And oh. want to claim it as a the 90s royal thing. royal gotcha. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and with that, you find you've suddenly relaxed. You've calmed down. You've realized there's a blunt in front of your face. You're nice. back at your house. You just had a little bit too many mushrooms. Next time, just do on you know a cap and a stem. I mean, you now should... that you're back, it's all good, right? Yeah, exactly. You probably all... <laughs> just don't need a quarter next time. Don't need an entire bag to yourself. Mm. <laughs> You'll have a better mushroom trip. For High Mystery, I'm Colin. I'm Tristan. I'm Robert. Thank you so much for listening. Check out our Patreon page. New episodes every Monday. Want more High Mystery? Check out our Patreon page, patreon.com backslash highmystery for exclusive episodes every Friday. Merchandise can be found at our website at highmystery.com. Stay up to date by following us on Facebook and Instagram at highmystery for fan art, news, and upcoming events. Thanks for listening.